0: these testimonies, and I just felt like it uh, was important to give a little more time. First Corinthians is a book that lets us know all the potential problems that a church can have. You really could entitle this uh, the first epistle to the Americans. (laughs) It's just about as up-to-date as it gets about the issues. I mean, honestly, every issue is just going on big time today in the churches in America. And as you look at this, you realize how easy it is for believers to be overcome by wrong thinking. I touched on that some on Sunday night. It's within the body where the danger often is. You know, when you know there's danger, you do everything you can to stay away from it. My brother-in-law, uh, Brad Blanton, has an extreme aller- uh, aller- allergic reaction to anything that's citrus, uh, that type of, uh, of um, juice, or even just touching an orange. And I mean, he gets to where he couldn't, you know, die because he truly swells up that much. So he is extremely careful about foods. Some of you have those kind of allergies, and uh, it's a big deal. You're very, very careful. Well, the book of 1 Corinthians lets us know about things that are major dangers. And it's interesting, in chapter 15, he goes from the dangers in the more practical realms, which are very important, to how subtle societal thinking can be in our lives. You see, as a staple part of the Greek culture, there was a a dualistic kind of thinking. In other words, anything that's material, physical, is inherently evil. And there's some truth to that, by the way, because of the curse. And everything that is of the spiritual nature is good. uh, And, of course, they would say good automatically. So they're wrong on both accounts. But their whole point was that the body being resurrected goes against modern thinking. And so you deal with this matter of people being resurrected uh, after they die or at the rapture. And that was being seen as non-intellectual, non it just they were not in step with the normal thinking of that day and of course the whole argument of this chapter is if the dead do not rise Christ didn't rise and he's not seated in the in heaven as our victor today and we are of all men most miserable and so it's a very good chapter on that but i bring that up because in your lives both the dangers that you'll find In the first 14 chapters and then the danger of just some of the thinking of the day in chapter 15 all of that is something that we have to be extremely alert to take heed when you think you stand lest you fall you've got to understand that satan's very powerful and your flesh is very powerful and if you are not on guard you can be susceptible not a person in here is immune to either falling in the moral realm or falling in the belief realm. And it's very, very real. And I know that through the years that I've been in the ministry, I've seen a lot of heartache. But it's interesting that the final verse of this whole section um, gives us an answer to how we can be on guard that is very simple, but I think will be encouraging to you. Last verse of chapter 15. A very familiar verse, it comes after the verses that we normally read at a graveside. Oh, death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? I love to read that, especially with the lost around, you know, and say a few things. Because it is so real when you have other believers around and they're rejoicing even through tears at the reality of the resurrection and lost folks take note of that. And these are glorious verses. And of course, just sealing the fact that we do believe in the resurrection of the dead because of our Savior but then we read, and let's go back to verse 47. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So often said, but very true. The best defense is a good defense. Offense. Okay. Sometimes when you hear us give warnings of the different subtleties that Satan uses, his darts, from our own emotional issues to the temptations of the flesh to intellectual issues and so on, when we give you warnings, the automatic response sometimes is, man, I've got to put a great defense up. And to some extent that is true in that we must be Fully understanding of the scripture, have deep convictions about what we believe. But I can tell you right now, if you only focus on what you need to watch out for, you will fall to what you're going to. I mean, if you keep looking at at the problems, you're going to be part, uh, be overcome by those problems. You know, for instance, you don't overcome lust by constantly thinking about overcoming lust. No, you overcome lust by walking with God, being encouraged in the Lord, getting over your self-focus and and having a life that is uh, very aware that you're the temple of the Lord God and and the glory of the Lord must be seen. That's how you have victory. Or in any other way, covetousness or feelings of jealousy, bitterness, all of these are dealt with by not only an awareness of the problem, but by a forward move in your Christian life. In fact, folks, discouragement, insecurity, uh, depression are the breeding ground for everything that I've just talked about as far as coming into your life. So here we find the therefore, based on the glorious reality that death has no hold over us, the resurrection is true, and that all this other stuff is falsehood. Therefore, my beloved brethren, stay on guard against all the falsehood. No, that's not what it says. Therefore, my beloved brethren, because of what we believe, We're more than conquerors. We have a great hope. I mean, we are of all people most blessed. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, standing strong in a forward move. And so the focus here is on the work of the Lord. Now see, one of the reasons that you're seeing more victory and waking up to more things at Baptist College of Ministry, is the last part of our name. Ministry. That was on purpose. How can you train for the ministry if you're not in the ministry? I mean, how can you really love the local church and its work if you're not part of the local church? I mean, this, the most important training, and by, and by the way, don't look down on your Sunday school responsibilities. Because that may be the most important part of your training Immersed in all of the academic rigors and all of the character training and everything else that you're receiving. But the best way for you to think right and be ready to face the challenges is for you to be in the work of the Lord. And uh, it's a wonderful thing. You see, we have an eternal perspective. Our life is just part of a whole eternal privilege that we have to be part of God's, the King of Kings, Moving forward of his kingdom, and so um, we need to be involved in a in in a full uh, just immersion into the work of the Lord. That's what that word means. Uh, Just uh, labor, enterprise. It has the idea of accomplishing something. We need to be uh, in the work of the Lord. I remember in high school when. The Lord really got a hold of my heart. I gave my heart to Him and began to think about the ministry. You know, one of the biggest things that, that helped me was soul winning. Just totally changed everything for me. And I would go with my youth group, and of course I was at the public school, and we endeavored to have a Bible study, and we did lots of different things, which really helped me in my whole stand and everything else. Because when you're on a positive move forward for the souls of men, everything begins to start fitting. But I remember uh, one of the times that really did help me was when I, on my own, got a partner, and on Sunday afternoon I gave up my very sacred Baptist nap on Sunday. You know that's part of the Baptist distinctive. It's a nap on Sunday. You know, <laughs> I, I think that really ought to be included, Put an N at the end of the B B A P T I S T N nap. But anyway, uh, and that was sort of a sacred thing around our house, so you're laughing about it, but I'm telling you, that was a hard decision Uh, because I worked along with going to school. I was getting money for college. I mean, it was, I was pretty tired. But anyway, I know you feel really sorry for me uh, (laughs) in that huge sacrificial decision, but in my high school brain, it really was. But uh, we started knocking on doors for an hour or two every Sunday afternoon. You know what happened? my personal life, everything about my life, just began to really get in order because I began to just be immersed in working with people. saw a family saved, and uh, a number of those kids went off to Bible college just on door-to-door. I've mentioned it to some of you. In my office, you'll see a box if you're ever in there. and It has a, has a tricycle wheel. And I, when I stopped um, at one home, I witnessed to the mother and she got saved and this little boy was riding back and forth on a tricycle and that boy went to college and is serving the Lord today and he, he's a woodworker and he made this thank you he wrote a poem and put a tricycle wheel in there reminding me it really got to me when I saw it and I was back when I was just high schooler and to see the Lord do that but you know it made such a difference it helped me in so many ways to be awakened to the to the problems around me and not fall to that. So this is a very practical message. Embrace your ministry. Soul winning must not be a duty. Discipleship must be a goal. You need to embrace your ministry with the same fervor some of you that really want to get good grades have or want to do well in whatever other areas that you're in. You need to embrace it with even more earnestness. These are precious children, young people that are in my class. I'm working in the adult division with, one of, with adults that need my, my influence. There are people in this area that right now God wants me to reach. Did you know if you want to, you can see people saved. If you want to, you can be discipling someone in the next few weeks, if you want to. If you cannot leave behind here at this church fruit, how do you expect to have fruit in the next stage of your ministry? You've got a support system here. You have all kinds of help here. What are you going to do when you're out on your own? So I really encourage you to realize the way for you to overcome a lot of the pressures that you will inevitably face and face right now is to be involved in the work of the Lord. But not just involved, look at the word just before that. You need to have the filling of the Holy Spirit so you can be abounding in the work of the Lord. Now, folks, it's just a human reality that you either do something just sort of out of constraint or you really get excited about it. You know, it's hard to be in between. Uh, Don't you just hate to just have to do something? It is so much better when you're just giving your all to it. That's a human reality. But when you have the Spirit of God, the word abounding means overflowing. Now, I I have this message right now. We just finished Cola class, Clash. That was a bounding ministry, by the way. (laughs) Okay, good example of it. Whoa, on steroids, okay. But um, what about this week? Ah, I'm going to just sort of lay back this week. Oh, that's always a mistake. Now you have an opportunity to make some decisions. But God wants you not only to be in the work of the Lord... But you need to be abounding in the work of the Lord. That's supernatural. It's, it's, beyond, it's beyond what we can even explain. I love that word abounding. You can't do that in flesh dependence. It's got to be the Spirit of God that will do that. But I just want to tell you, miracles start happening. Eternal results start happening. God begins to open great doors. When you are Spirit-filled and you're not just grudgingly doing your obligations, but you, you just decide All right, I've been given this ministry. Here's another ministry opportunity over here. Another peer wants me to be involved in, and I believe God's in it, and I'm going to not only just work hard at it, I want to believe God for it, and I want to be abounding, overflowing in that ministry. Folks, God does things beyond what you expect when you give yourself to it. I remember my sophomore year of college. I went down to Seneca, South Carolina uh, to just go door to door. And I got, God got a hold of my heart. I was just doing my duty. I almost dreaded it. And uh, God got a hold of our heart, went in, led a couple to the Lord, started a Bible study there. God began to bless the Bible study. In that Bible study, the star basketball player of Seneca High School got saved. He wanted me to come to his basketball practice. His coach was a backslidden Southern Baptist who wanted to have an influence on his team. And so we began to work with the team. I became the chaplain of the basketball team, which meant I had to go two times a week. That's hard on your schedule, an hour away from college. But I just said, I'm gonna do it. Grades, I still got good grades, but I'm gonna have to kill myself to do this. You know what it's like to give a challenge to these basketball players before they go out? To pray at the games? It was just a tremendous opportunity. Then we brought the karate team down, and they did some things with the football team and basketball team, and I think 30 or 40 guys got saved. It just abounds. I would never have thought of that just knocking on doors. One of my real memories was these guys, I first went to the first basketball practice, and and uh, I, they called me Preacher, you know, and he said, oh, why don't you shoot one? Uh, just for the fun of it, I shot it from from half court and I swished it. <laughs> I am convinced that an angel got up there and went because <laughs> uh, no way in the world uh, that could have happened. And I mean, ooh, you know, it was uh, abounding. I mean, it can happen in all, all kinds of ways, you know. But, uh, but I tell you what, do you think that, you think I, that helped my, my whole life? Man, I was living for that. The campus became abuzz with what was happening down in Seneca, South Carolina. It wasn't me, it wasn't my leadership. I I finally committed myself and God did it. I remember we did the first war ever, was during Bible school. And I just was thinking there at Market Manor, I think it was the second year I was there, we gotta do better in reaching lost teams. And so I said, why can't we do what the Wilds does with their two team competition and bring it, we call the country chaos. Hatfields and McCoys, we did the best we could. It it would embarrass you to see how we ran it the first time. Uh, Dr. Jim had just finished his freshman year in college. Dr. John was a junior in high school. Wish you could have seen them back then. (laughs) Not quite so sophisticated, but anyway. um, And so uh, we, uh, we did it and guess what? I think it was six kids got saved. I mean, you gotta understand back then that was a big, big deal. Well, anyway, we started doing that. That wasn't my passion. I was just excited it was working. But my brothers got a hold of this. They started taking it on the road, and then Dr. Jim got burdened. Talk about abounding. Whoa. See, they gave themselves to it. Ministry is unbelievable. You cannot outdo God. But you've got to die to self, and you've got to be all in, like Abe was talking about, uh, Brother Ingram, and you can't But once you are all about saying, Lord, it's not about me, people matter, I can put this together, there's always enough time to do the will of God, and you start giving yourself to the work of the Lord, it'll be in the Spirit of God, abounding in the work of the Lord. Now, young people, do you realize what this student body right now could do for this area if we live that way? There are miracles all over the place. We're seeing miracles in the Spanish ministry, and God wants to do even more there. I think there's miracles with other ethnic groups. I believe there are miracles uh, through the bus ministry that God wants to do, and miracles in church planning that God wants to do. All around us there are things. I think our youth group uh, could be a revival youth group if we'll pray them through. And I believe there are some great things that could be accomplished. Folks, we got to be spirit-led dreamers now, God does it usually a little different than we think, but He begins to start inspiring us and giving us ideas that, whoa, that's amazing. Now, folks, God does that. And it, but I'm telling you, if you just do your duty now, if you just do the minimal now, if you work hard to get your grades and you're trying to get, which I hope you do, and your character is developing, and you get your certificate, or certificate, your diploma. I hope it's not just a certificate. <laughs> uh, you get your diploma. And you've not experienced miracles in ministry. Guess what you're going to do? You're going to do whatever ministry God's called you to. You're going to do the minimal. You're going to do your duty. You're going to worry about all the details. Soul money's going to be tough. Discipleship will be minimal. And the ministry will be something you may get cynical about. But if you're living, (laughs) abounding now, you're going to expect, i got a God that can do it. And He will do it. He'll open up people groups. He will reach communities in America with revival. I believe God's going to do much greater things than you young people know, but if we don't get with the program now, we're not going to see it then. And then just one other word here. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be you steadfast and immovable. What's the key? Always abounding. Well, we abounded last week. Most of you did. I very much want to thank you for your great ministry did make a difference. In fact, it's going to have national ramifications, folks. Those kind of things do. It doesn't seem that big, but it is big. I know it is. But always. Middle of the nine-week block, always abounding. Two weeks before Christmas, when you can't wait to go home, always abounding. Christmas vacation, when you're under different pressures, always abounding. That's what God wants in the work of the Lord. And so I'm just burdened here that the normal state of your life is the walk that brings miracles. Most of you only saw a little part. Some of you in the third hour saw another part of the man there from China. Why was he a life of miracles? Because he gave his life to the Lord. You see, God's ready to work. I mean, God is not, He is not feeling weak right now because of what's happening in America. He's only seen as weak because we are not yielded. I want to dare you to see how big your God is. This is not just some nice ideas I'm giving you. You are indwelt by God. The presence of God is here. You are in the will of God in what you're doing, and if you will always abound in the work of the Lord, you will see God do divine-sized work. Now, you've got to be patient. You'll go through hard times. It'll look like it's not working, and all of a sudden, the breakthrough comes. And it's just thrilling. I believe every one of you should have major God-sized ministries in the days to come. And if you are, then you're not going to be tempted by these other things. That's my point. You're not going to fall into bad attitudes. You're not going to get bitter. You're not going to be tempted by fleshly things. You're not going to be overcome by some thinking of our day if you're seeing God work and you're meeting with Him every day. I mean, there are just some young men and women that graduate from here and they're not touched by what's going on in our country. Why? They're too busy seeing God work. You know, when you have been there and seen God work, I don't care what anybody says. You know otherwise because you've seen the reality of it. It's just real. That's why you've got to walk with God, and you've got to have that wonderful reality of ministry. Folks, keep getting out of the pressures you're in. Just get thrilled about serving the Lord. Life is not going to get easier with its pressures. Learn to rest in the Lord and just get excited about what is God going to do today. Lord, I want to be lined up with your purposes. This is a thrilling mission that we're on. May God help us to see that. Let's bow for prayer.